Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 346, How to Attract the Very Best People into Your Organization. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today, and I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, and we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to engagesuccess.org and use the link at the bottom of the page, you can join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. So today, my special guest is Dr. Angela E. Laurier, who's founder of the Author Incubator. So welcome, Dr. Angela. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Um, So the Author Incubator helps experts and consultants get their books written, published, and promoted so that they can attract clients, grow their business, and make a bigger difference. And this started as my own business, and as my the demand to work for me grew, I had to get good at hiring and having an engaged workforce, even though I would say that is not my strength. My strength is definitely being alone in a room with a manuscript, maybe an <laughs> author. Uh, So I came to become an expert on hiring and managing teams, a very strange, long, hard route. And I'm happy to share some of that knowledge here today. Yes, lovely. That would be great. So, yeah, so you you currently have, you were just telling me before we went live about 40 employees. Well, I'm saying about, I'm assuming you know exactly. (laughs) 41 to be exact. 41 employees. And here's what's fun. They range from 21 years old to 82 years old. So we've got wow. a pretty wide range. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about how that sort of developed. You said, obviously, it was sort of quite a challenge. It's not what you would uh, necessarily be choosing to do. But clearly, not only have you got, uh, you know, a large, small company, you've also got, as you say, a, a diverse group of people that you employ. So tell us a bit more about your journey with that. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I um, I think a lot of small business owners feel like they can do everything so much better than themselves, except you can't when you have too much to do and when you have goals to grow and scale your business, you just you can't do it all yourself and you have to get good at hiring. And I thought, the answer to that was just paying people. So when I yeah. started, I, I put up ads, you know, want ads, and then I picked the best applications and I interviewed people and I asked them questions like, you know, how would you do this job if it was your job? And then based on the best answer, I paid people and I thought they would just do their job. I thought, how complicated can this be? to have people engaged, they should be engaged by the fact that I'm paying them every single week. (laughs) And that did not work as expected. And it was very surprising to me. So my first solution to this problem, Joe, was to uh, pay them more. 
I was like, yeah. oh, I get it. It's not paying enough. I'll pay them more. And the results did not improve. And I got very angry. I was like, but now I'm paying them more. Of course, it wasn't more to them, but to me it was. So then I thought, well, I'll pay them less. And that didn't work. And this was all incredibly shocking. I was like, maybe these people are too senior. If I get junior people, they'll be brand new, fresh out of college. It'll be more work for me, but they'll be so grateful for the opportunity. They'll do a good job. Nope, again. <laughs> so um, at some point I was the, you know, it takes me a few tries, but at some point I figured out money is not as big of a lever as you think it is. No. So, um, so like, I'm happy to share with you the lever I found that was more effective, if you think that would be interesting. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. I was just reflecting on how, um, if, as you say, if it was money, um, a lot of what we do within the movement and and all the discussions about leadership, I guess, would be <laughs> not uh, not not needed. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, one way or the other, we've all discovered that that isn't the uh, the magic bullet, is it? So yeah, so come on, tell us it what is it is. Such a bummer. <laughs> I really, I was, it was so, I think as a CEO, those of you who are in the HR profession, you all knew this and it takes us as CEOs longer because a lot of times CEOs are motivated by money. That is part of what we're doing. And so it just seems logical. Everyone would be, Um, Mm -hmm. but I made a pretty radical shift. One of the things I always say is um, millennials are saving the world. And the reason I think that's true is millennial, most of our workforce is millennials. I think millennials now start at 30 and they're like, you know, whatever, 30, most Mm -hmm. 30 year olds are in that millennial generation. So that's a big part of our workforce. And um, for, for us, what I find about millennials is they won't do anything that's not aligned for them that they don't agree with. And um, that they don't feel really good about. They'll phone it in. They'll take your paycheck. They'll even, you know, take your paycheck and not even come to work. Like they, they don't feel at all like they need to do something they don't believe in. And I actually think that's great. I think we should all be doing stuff we believe in. I know that particular part of the millennial culture has made our company so much better because we had to figure out what we stand for. Because if you do want a super engaged team, you have to stand for something beyond the product or the Mm. service that you deliver. Um, And then they, they keep us honest. If we go off course, um, if we do something that's out of integrity, I can tell because the engagement of my team goes down, the productivity of my team goes down and I know when that's happening, mm-hmm. it's because we are not living up to our mission statement. Yeah. So I can usually correct it through my own leadership without having to give, I very rarely give performance improvement plans or anything like that because their improvement, their performance is improved when they feel aligned with the mission. Yeah. So can you remember that sort of that that moment when you shifted from from realizing it wasn't about the money and that it and it was about the the purpose? Cause what how did that come about? Because that that's quite a significant shift 
and clearly it worked really well. You've got a very successful business. Um, but I, I'm sort of thinking, yeah, that all makes sense. But when you think in sort of practical terms, when you're in the middle of running a, a, a business and you're trying to make all these changes, it's quite difficult to shift how you operate. How did that happen? Yeah, I am super lucky. I had an employee tip me off. So I had a young, ambitious millennial who I hired to be like my personal assistant. And we were talking about her career path. I mean, she asked me, she's like, so what happens? You know, what happens in this job for me? How do I stay here? What's my career path? And I was like, I don't don't know. Your career path is you do the work I give you and you get a paycheck. And if you do a good (laughs) job, you get more money. Like, I don't understand the question. I'm going to pay you to do things. That's the career path. And she said, well, listen, here's, here's how it works for me. I'm giving you my time. That's the only thing I can't get back in this life. I'm 29 years old, and I have to know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And if that's what that, this job is, if you're just going to pay me to do tasks, that's cool. I'll take your money, but I am going to be looking for something else that's aligned with my life's purpose. So we can either figure this out. I know how fast you want to grow. So I can help you figure this out and we can develop career paths for everyone we hire and we can get really clear on why someone would work here beyond just a paycheck. Or you could just pay me. I'll do some tasks and I'll be looking for another job in the meantime. At some point, I'll move on. It's not right now, but I'm not going to do this for that much longer. I'm 29. (laughs) And I was like, wow, okay. It was one of those fork in the road moments as a CEO where I was like, well, what do I want? And then I realized so many unhappy um, experiences I'd had with people I'd hired came back to the fact that I had no idea people were thinking about this. I thought people were thinking about their bills and I would yeah. just pay them and their bills would be paid. Mm-hmm. So how, what, what purpose did, did you then have or do you have and how did that, that develop? Well, this for a CEO, I, and usually when I'm speaking about this topic, I'm speaking to fellow business owners Um, But this for a CEO is the most exciting thing. So to me, and I'm not recommending the specific topics for anyone, but for me, what I am most passionate about is equity, diversity, and social justice. This is just me personally, didn't really have anything to do with my business. I care about civil rights and equal rights and transgender rights, and those are just topics that I personally care about and I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I decided to do was to build that into my business. So now with the books that we do, um, while we could do books, we could help anybody with any subject matter expertise write a book. We focus on books that are um, for people that care about making the world a better place in the same way that we do. So um, we said we wrote a mission statement and our mission statement is we believe magic is real and our mission is to amplify the voices of our fellow magic makers so that we can bring hope, healing and transformation to the planet. 
we work with a lot of people that have a spiritual orientation, a lot of people that have a social justice and political orientation, and we're really clear about what our values are as a company. And what our values are as a company are just my personal values. (laughs) So that's super fun. I get to talk about all the things I care about all day long. And then all of my employees are passionate about equity and social justice and creating more magic and integrating the spiritual back into daily life and creating miracles and law of attraction, all of my personal passions. So everyone who applies to work for us knows what we stand for. And they're so excited to have a place where they could work where someone believes in all the things they believe in and they can talk about them all the time. Yeah, yeah. So how do how do you sort of promote that to people? We we talked in the uh in the show notes before we started about talking about how you write just job descriptions that attract people and what you need to do to get people to to beg to work for you. Uh what you're saying already sounds exciting. I guess the next question is how do you get that excitement out into the marketplace so people do want to come and work for you? Okay, so most people write job descriptions. This is the way I wrote them. This is the way we're taught by HR people to write them. A job description is a description of the tasks that someone in the job would do. And everybody starts with a description of the company. Maybe not everybody, but most people start with a description of the company, maybe even the company's mission, and then the tasks. And then you're asked, if you want to do these tasks, send a resume, and we'll talk about the terms. Well, I feel like this is very oriented to the interests of the company. The company has the goal of getting all these tasks completed, which is fine. That's fair. That has to happen. But what it's not oriented to is what problem does this job solve for the potential employee? Our job descriptions, and in my book, Make Them Beg to Work for You, you can see examples of these. In our job descriptions, we start by describing the person we want to hire and the problem that person has in their life beyond a paycheck. So we'll mention a paycheck in there, but mostly it's about not being able to be around like-minded people, having to edit what they say what they say all the time, not feeling respected for their ideas or their opinions, having to pretend all day at work to be someone they aren't. Um, Some of our values are around um, flexibility of your life and your time. And so they may have a job where they don't have that. Now, not every job is going to have that option, but the idea is imagine the perfect candidate for this job and describe where they are in their life. Describe where they are in their career. Describe their career goals. And if you make the job description about the prospect instead of about you, it's amazing how it changes the quantity and the quality of the candidates because no one out there is doing that. So it's pretty powerful. So that's how we start. We do share in terms of our values. It's 
one sentence at the bottom, but our um, our diversity statement, which a lot of job descriptions have a diversity statement, we're not going to discriminate based on your sex, race, religion, things like that. Ours is just pretty colorful. It shows our personality and our passion, um, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not it's not that long, but it we're signaling to our people so they can see themselves um, in that. And I think a lot of people don't use that space in the way that they could. So it might only be a section, a, a sentence at the bottom, but really sharing your values and what you stand for. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining this is a bit like when you're as a a coach or consultant you're looking for clients and you you come up with your sort of ideal client and and it's all about their pain points and then you you know deliver uh, or advertise that's that that's precisely what it's based on yeah we base so, it on that exactly we do it just like you would market to get a client you can yeah. market to get an employee so how does that then work in terms of so i don't know say i was i don't know, just make up say i was a, um, a life coach and i knew that i wanted to work with people in a certain place in their life I don't know people who just got divorced or something that would be a starting point to them quite quickly work out the pain points for those people does that mean you have profiles for the type of people that you want to work with you because I I, it sounds quite difficult otherwise to focus on those people specifically yeah so I'll give you an example yeah yeah I'll give you an example we needed to hire an IT person. When we got to about 25 yeah. people, everybody had computers. We just needed someone who could solve all our computer problems. And we know particularly that to us, we want to have women in leadership. We want to have women in less traditional roles. Um, mm-hmm. And we also want to have people of color in those roles. So I imagine this didn't mean I would hire a woman of color. But as I was imagining the avatar for who was going to get this job, the avatar was an African-American woman in her 30s. And I was imagining her, we're in Washington, D.C., and this is an on-site position. And if you're an African-American woman in your 30s in D.C. and you work in IT, you are almost certainly in an all-male probably all white environment, probably at a law firm because we have a lot of those in D.C. And Mm -hmm. so in my job description, I was imagining a black woman at a law firm who has to deal with pushy lawyers telling her all day what to do and to go faster and then going back to her office you know, to her section of the office being with a bunch of white guys looking down on her for not, you know, getting it, not speaking the same language. So in our job description, I started by talking about not feeling like you fit in at work, feeling like no one gets you no matter how hard you work. People always expect you to do more and they never give you credit for what you do and people are entitled and they don't get what it takes for you to get to work and if you could have flexibility, what that would mean to you. So it was all how this job of being our IT director would solve this ideal candidate's um, problem in her life. The assumption was she could do the task. 
So I included the tasks in there. It's like, and by the way, if you get this job, here are the kinds of tasks you'll be doing. I didn't, you know, shy away from that. But it's sort of just assumed if you're going to apply, you can do the tasks. And we have a way to test people for that later. But right now, I wanted someone who would beg me for this job because it meant she wouldn't have to deal with the assholes at the law firm. She wouldn't have to deal with a commute and getting in at shitty times. She could come in late and leave late or come in early and leave early. It would mean that she could be fully expressed as herself. And we didn't have all black women apply for the job. And I didn't say, please only apply if you're a black woman. I just imagined this person and held her in my heart. And we had we had mostly white guys apply, frankly, and they were able to read that job description and think, oh, this would be great with helping my wife with the kids. This would be great with, you know, not having to deal with so many people and no chance to rise. I could be my own, you know, boss. Yeah. So we, we did end up actually hiring a black woman for that job, but she was the only black woman who applied for the job, and we had over 200 candidates. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I don't know that she was the only one, but she was the only one we interviewed. So yeah. by being specific about what problem this job solves other than money, you get amazing candidates begging you to take them as an employee. And that completely changes, number one, how you negotiate on compensation. Number two, how you negotiate on workflow and responsibility. But then it changes the whole relationship going forward because you have a true win-win. Mm-hmm. So really interesting sort of spin round of when you think about diversity and trying to create a more diverse workforce and actually starting by being sort of specific, if you like, um, almost to the exclusion. So not being diverse in thinking, but actually you end up with more diverse interest because of what you're putting out there, rather than, as you say, the sort of traditional, this is what the job's all about, which tends to, I guess, um, keep you getting more of the same. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, it keeps you getting more of the same. And then you're going to get applications from less diverse candidates. And because of unconscious bias, you're going to end up hiring people who look like you. When I started this, I had, when I hired that woman who changed my life and I dedicated my book to her, um, that millennial woman I told you about, I had six women in their 40s and they were all white when I hired her, so I had six white women in their 40s. She came in at 29 and was also white. Now we have a staff over 40, and we're 38% people of color, 33% LGBT. Um, I think we have 10% have English as their second language. Um, Huge age range from 21 to 82. And we put diversity at the center of the reason you would want to work here, which made us have to rethink everything from how we hire. The one area I would say we have to grow is um, just in ableism. That's my focus for this year is um, improving our diversity in terms of physical differences. Um, uh, And that's really just about getting educated as a team and getting 
um, the right language into our job descriptions, then we'll attract amazing candidates that are, you know, deaf, blind, in a wheelchair, with chronic illness, and they're not being used by the, by the workforce. Mm-hmm. So we get these amazing candidates that bring so much valuable value, especially it's been, this is not true anymore, but it's been a very tight labor market. And so I feel like I get cream of the crop candidates because I'm looking where no one else is. Mm-hmm. Do you think the the current situation around um, sort of varying levels of lockdown and, and uh, working from home being much more the norm is going to help with, with that focus, as you say, on getting people who have uh, some ability challenges or, or chronic illness or whatever? Is that going to have a knock-on effect of, of making that easier, do you think? I, I do. I mean, I think, I think there's a huge opportunity in hiring now. If you are hiring right now, mm-hmm. um, and I know a lot of businesses that are growing, the best candidates are going to be looking. There's such a big shakeup that mm-hmm. if you want to up-level your team, now is the time to do it. But the best place to start is by being clear on your values. What have your values been and what do you want them to be going forward? Because you can use the coronavirus pandemic to say, hey, we got really clear on our values. We're making our company bigger. We're making our company smaller. This is what we stand for. You can make almost any change you want right now. It's like a it's like you're playing Monopoly and you got a free card from the community chest <laughs> and you can upgrade or change anything you want. And that gives you an opportunity to attract the best talent that lines up with those values. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just going into the last few minutes of the show. It flies by. Um, what, what, uh, one or, or few tips would you give to, to businesses sort of moving forward out of, of this situation or, or even just to sort of small business owners to be able to start to implement some of, of what you're working with? Yeah, well, number one, if you want to get my book, um, it's called Make and Beg to Work for You. You can get it for you can get it on Amazon or you can get it for free at the mm-hmm. slash free books. Um, and you can definitely get some more advice in there. But my, my number one tip is you have to make any job a win-win. For maximum engagement, the win for you is they have to do the tasks you give them as well as possible with the least effort from you and senior management as possible. So that's the win on your side. But if you want that win, you have to go first. You have to understand what's a win for the employee and how can you give them that win. It can't be a one-way street. They do the work and then you don't care whether or not they get what they want as long as they get a paycheck. A paycheck is insufficient. So you must understand what is a win for them and can you give them that win with this job. And if not, in Chapter 10 in the book, I say you have to let them go with love. You have to release people if you can't give them the win-win because they're not going to do, they're not going to give you the win if you can't Mm. give them what they need for the job to make sense in their life. 
No, and as you say, just so important in the current climate and moving forward, as as you say, people will start to look and you need to be best placed to, to attract them. Lovely. Yep, 100%. Thank you so much. It's been a really interesting interview. So thank you for joining me today. And uh, I'm sure people listening will have found it really useful. So So thank you, Angela. All right. Thank you for having me. So just to let you know, next week is actually a bank holiday in the UK, so we won't have a show next week. And then the week after, Joe Moffat will be back. No, she won't. It'll be me. Ignore me. <laughs> I'll be back and I'll be talking uh, to Richard Roberts, who's People Director at Pure Planet. And they have been made um, in the Sunday Times Best Small Companies to Work For in 2020. They went in straight at number two. And they've also been ranked the best company to work for in the Southwest. And so we're going to be talking about how they've done it. So that's the uh, Monday after next. And that's myself back talking to Rich Roberts. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.